everyone. Welcome into another episode of Quick Hits. I'm Blake Pace. It is Monday, November 18th. Fresh off college football week 12. NFL week 11 is almost in the books. We are a Monday night football game away from concluding it up. Up in Mexico City or down in Mexico City. Excuse me, the uh, Los Angeles Chargers taking on the Kansas City Chiefs should be a fun game. Uh, we are not going to really talk that much about the NFL today. This is a college football Monday. Still still figuring out how we're going to bounce these Monday ones. I, I like to do full game recaps once the week is done, of course, which makes it Tuesday. There are definitely some sometimes pressing conversations around the NFL that need to be had on Monday. Um but I think we've had enough stuff happen in the realm of college football that we can provide a little bit of an update. I had been doing a few that were, you know, top 10 mock drafts, certain things like that. But we're not going to do that uh, necessarily today. Um, but today we are going to take a look at, of course, the biggest news uh, from this past week in college football. Tua Tagovailoa uh, dislocating his hip. Um, almost a, a, you know, a freak injury and a potentially severe one. We're going to dive into the impact it has on Tua himself, uh, the 2018 or 2019, excuse me, Alabama Crimson Tide, and then the 2020 NFL Draft. So we'll take a look at how uh, that injury impacts all three of those different things. Uh, we are going to take a look at my updated quarterback rankings for the 2020 NFL Draft. Going to go through my top five. Uh, if you listen to my other podcast over um, with uh, Matt Wyrick, Reasonably Outrageous, you've heard a little bit of update of my top quarterback spot, but uh, if you have not, this will be news to you. We've got some change up near the top, so we're going to go through my top five there, take a look at what they did this past week, take a look at what they're doing this season, and then just some quick notes there as well too. And then we're going to finish things up uh, with my top 10 big board uh, for the month of November. Once a month, I'm going to come out to you guys with my updated 10 players and where I've got them situated at heading into the 2020 NFL Draft, which is months away. Uh, but I want to at least, you know, touch in and give you my updates every once in a while as they come in. So just some quick hits off of my top 10 players. And that was and that'll be how we finish off this uh, this Monday episode and send you into your work week, which I know everyone wants to hear. Uh, so here we are, Monday. Let's get into things. So yes, the biggest news of the week, Tua Tungavailoa, um, Really uh, devastating hip injury this past uh, Saturday. A dislocated hip with a fracture to the posterior wall. Uh, happened just a couple minutes before halftime in the uh, Tides win over Mississippi State. It was said uh, after that that would have been his last drive of the game. They are already up comfortably on Mississippi State. No need to leave him out there. Of course, someone who had been dealing with ankle injuries uh, just a couple weeks prior and missed some time as well then too. Uh, he he rolled out of the pocket, brought down by two uh, Bulldog defenders, and put all of their body weight on top of Tua. And, um, you know, it just a very unfortunate situation. Of course, being out there in the game alone, you know, up 35-7, to seven, um, it was going to be his last drive of the game. And, and Coach Saban came out and said we wanted to get him some reps in a two-minute drill. And so, that, you know, that was the reasoning for still having him out there through that point of the game. And so from that standpoint, I, I don't blame Saban. You know, Tua has missed some time already. Uh, most of the games that he had been playing and have been comfortable blowouts where you can take him out pretty easily uh, later on. And with the season, you know, really getting up there, getting closer to the college football playoffs, bowl games, you know, etc. Uh, he wanted to give Tua an opportunity to run a two-minute offense. And so 
Um, I, I'm not one that's going to sit there and blame Nick Saban. Yes, you were up 35-7. to Yes, it was a blowout uh, game again. Yes, Tua had had the injuries, but he, he stated his reason, his purpose for having Tua out there. Um, just to get him some more exposure as the season really toughens up, not this next week, uh, but the following week when they've got a tough game coming up against Auburn, and then, of course, of course, bowl season. So I don't have any, you know, bad takes on, I guess, uh, Saban's decision to leave him in there. It was It's one of those just freak accidents, and um, super unfortunate. Changes the landscape of, of a lot of different things. So first off, you know, I, I think it's safe to say that the most important thing to come out of this is how it directly impacts Tua moving forward. You know, of course, he is out for the 2019 season. You're looking at around a 6-12 to 12 month recovery time frame at best. Um, we, we know, of course, uh, this injury has the scary implications and uh, flashback to Bo Jackson's injury that, of course, ended his career. Um, as of right now, it doesn't seem like it is going to be career-ending. Um, of course, we only know so much as it's, you know, just uh, two days ago that it happened. And um, so timetable that we're looking at right now is a six to 12 month recovery. Of course, at the very worst, that that brings it to uh, to, to November of 2020, which uh, to that point would make it seem like to, a, um, you know, no matter what happens next year where he's playing, uh, he, he looks at it and says, OK, it, it makes most sense to sit out probably the entire 2020 season. Um, you know, there there were thoughts to me for a second, would Tua consider going back to college? But given the recovery time um, and, and just the fact that if he was, if it did take the full year, he just spent another year on the bench, you know, more time the NFL teams haven't seen him play. Then he comes back for a couple games to finish out the season and Alabama's probably still going to be around one of the top four or five teams in the nation and should be right there for, for another college football playoff. So, if that's the route Tua wants to go and wants to, okay, let me sit myself back, let me get you know a year under my belt, and, and then come back at the end of next season, finish it off the right way with some some bowl wins, a run in the playoffs, and then make your way to the NFL draft. That is a potential scenario. I, I don't think it's that likely though. Also, just because of the fact, you know, Tua's Tua's losing money. He, he's losing money by playing these college football games and getting injured. It's the sad part about it is that his draft stock is going to be a little bit tarnished now that we take a look and say, okay, maybe this is a quarterback who we have some injury concerns for moving forward. And so for Tua, I, you know, it crossed my mind for a bit that he might want to come back uh, and play for Alabama toward the end of the 2020 season just to give a couple more games out there. But at the end of the day, I think based off just how much money he's losing already by the injury itself, and then to go all the way until next November, potentially, without see, having him uh, play a game of football. And just the fact that that um, he's accomplished so much already in his Alabama career. You know, he's going to go down as one of the more memorable Alabama quarterbacks, of course. You know, Alabama, you know, at least my Alabama that I, that I knew growing up with is the great team around there with an average quarterback that won't lose you games and then all of a sudden you carry there in but Tua was one of those guys that has turned himself into an Alabama quarterback that is also a top draft pick and so he's one of those guys that it will go down uh, in history in such a prestigious program like Alabama and so all that together I feel pretty comfortable saying that Tua won't return next year but I understand where he's coming from if he thinks 
okay, if I can give these guys even five games toward the end of next season where I'm playing lights out again, I can I can make my way back up to being the number one overall pick in what would be the 2021 NFL Draft. So that's really the impact that I see that it has directly on Tua. Uh, now the other thing that we have to take a look at is the impact it has on the 2019 Alabama Crimson Tide. You know, who will now turn to Mac Jones... Uh, this season, he's completed 45 of 65 passes for 566 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. To me, this Alabama team, you think they more try and go a little bit more balanced attack through the ground game. Najee Harris, strong offensive line, just smash mouth football, really dominate in the trenches, control the time of possession, control the momentum of the game. Um, you know, typically to, to what we knew with these Alabama teams before they had great quarterback play, you know, just being physical up front, dominating in the trenches, strong run game, uh, play action out of it. But at the end of the day, I still feel like we still might get more of an aerial attack, not as much as we saw with Tua, but just because of how talented uh, this receiving core is in Alabama. Of course, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, uh, they've got a, one of the most talented wide receiving cores um Really, in the last, god, decade or so, uh, when it comes to wide receiving cores in college football, uh, they have one of the more dominant trios in the game. And so, I don't think Alabama is going to is gonna skip a beat. They're still going to be Alabama. They're still going to win. Uh, next week, they've got a pretty easy opponent. Two weeks ago is really the game they have to worry about with Auburn. Um, but I don't think that this offense is going to lose a whole much. Now, of course, Tua does so much in the passing game that makes it easy to uh, to really dominate and, and really switch things up between the pass and the run. And so, you know, now defenses might want to dare Mac Jones to really to really beat him down deep. But I still think that this is a, this is an Alabama team with the best players in the country. Um, and I really don't think that it, we're going to see a whole lot of a difference. Uh, without Tua because this offense will find another way to keep humming. Now the only problem is right now Alabama's out of the college football playoffs. Georgia, who just had a very impressive win over Auburn this past week, um, is the number four seed in the college football playoffs and Alabama is sitting there outside at five and you have to think that at least for coming up in this week, um, Georgia shouldn't lose out of that spot and Alabama shouldn't find itself back in the college football playoffs especially now considering that their their Heisman potential quarterback uh, is out for the rest of the season. So Alabama's chances to getting back into the into the postseason now, because of course they aren't going to be in that SEC title game that is going to go to LSU. The, the Really the best hope for the Alabama Crimson Tide is to go out and play Auburn and beat them up more than than uh, than Georgia was able to. That game finished, I want to say, 21-14, 21-10. I think it was 21-14. But you would need Alabama to go out there and just dog them. You know, 35-7 type game, you know, 42-10. Alabama would have to go out and destroy them to where you see, okay, they've both played this mutual opponent, and they both have, you know, uh, they both, you know, Alabama had the better outcome. Or if we get a Georgia versus LSU, and we see LSU beat up on Georgia and not be able, you know, and, and Georgia's not able to keep pace with LSU as much as Alabama did, then I think we still get a scenario if either of those things happen, or, or both especially, um, I think that is the, the hope that Alabama needs to get back into this playoffs because obviously, you know, we love the story and Tua is the story with the Alabama Crimson Tide this year, 
So now they have to find a way to to really impress the committee to jump back into that top four. And I think what that takes is for LSU to really beat up on Georgia in that SEC title game. And then, of course, on the flip side, Alabama to go out there and beat Auburn by more than a couple of scores. So I don't think that their playoff hopes are eliminated yet. I don't think you should count out Nick Saban and the Tide for making a college football playoffs at all. But I really think that this does have, uh, you know, it, it does make things a little more tricky. And it really comes down to those two matchups right there that we'll get toward the end of the season. And so while we await, you know, I guess the fallout of Tua's injury, we get more information. Of course, college football playoffs coming up in just a few weeks. The even more long-term thing that we have to take a look at, and that won't take place until April, but that's the 2020 NFL Draft. Uh, Tua was presumably one of the top picks in the draft. Some would argue now, you know, was he the number two quarterback? Some people have him three, like me personally. Some people have him as the top overall guy still, and... And now the injury fallout, you know, there, there is, you know, per, if you follow my stuff, you know that Tua isn't my favorite quarterback for this class. And, and just, a, just a little heads up, he's not my second um, favorite either. Um, but even through that point, I still expected him to be one of the first two quarterbacks taken just based off the value of his name, what he accomplished in, at, at Alabama. Um, you know, a team was going to take him in that top four. And now that we've got a situation where I, I do think we start to worry, and I do think that it affects his draft stock, is the durability of, of Tua's frame and, and his ability to stay healthy. And does he have injury problems that we have to worry about, like a like a Marcus Mariota-type situation where a guy who was amazing in college just couldn't keep himself healthy in the NFL, and now seven years down the road, uh, he's going to be a free agent after... Um, after really flaming out as the number two overall pick. And so I think that we take a look, and I think we're at a point where it starts to affect Tua stock a little. Now, I still think, you know, it would be crazy to assume he doesn't go inside the top 12. I think we'll get to a point where those middle-tier teams, um, because, you know, I, I think when you look at it, Miami and Cincinnati are both going to take quarterbacks in the top four, wherever they're picking in there. But I think you have to look at that second tier of teams um, you know, like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Tennessee Titans, the Los Angeles Chargers. There are a bunch of teams in that middle tier where they're picking from, you know, maybe 6 to, to 12 or 6 to 14. I feel like that's the frame uh, that we're going to see Tua come in. Now, of course, this is two days after it happened. We don't know, you know, how long Tua is going to be out, um, how easy it is for him to, you know, going to be able to be to come back healthy uh, from this injury. We don't know any of that stuff now. So this is just my my first impression, just thinking out loud of to where Tua, where this affects his draft stock. I'd say it's going to be one of those teams. And so I think um, Los Angeles would be a real fun one. Strong offense there. Not a great offensive line, but but manageable. Tennessee, you know, I think whatever quarterback, you know, goes to Tennessee is going to have a pretty solid situation. And the same with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um you know, that, that's going to be a fan base that is really going to be excited to have a guy like Tua, um, a guy that will wear the face of the franchise better than, than Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota. And um, for any of those three situations, you know, the Chargers, the Titans, and the Buccaneers, um, he, he has the makings of being a franchise quarterback, and the, the cities themselves will really embrace Tua as their new guy. And so 
I really think that it, it's just it's going to be too much of a risk if you're the Bengals and the Dolphins to take him now, given the injury concerns and also the fact that there, to me, are two better quarterbacks in the draft. And and that's going to segue right into to my updated 2020 NFL Draft quarterback rankings. Uh, of course, this is through, what are we now, uh, 12 weeks through the college football season. These aren't my full, complete evaluations. Once we get into the offseason, we'll go through those each specifically. I'll probably even want to do episodes specifically on one of these guys at a time. But right now, from what we've seen in the season, what we've seen previous years, um, these are my top five right now. And so so we're going to go from the bottom up. Um, and, and I'll say this right now. I think that all five of these guys go in the first round. I also think that we're just at the point where we're going to start getting more quarterbacks taken in the first round, I think that we're on a cycle now where we're just going to see probably four or five quarterback needy teams, and it's going to just be a continuation of we're going to get probably three three guys up near the top, and then we'll get two or one that swing in toward the bottom end, whether that's a, a team that has two second-round picks and trades up into the end of the first to, to take their guy. Um, you know, There's a, a couple different situations. I think specifically this year we're kind of looking at what we saw uh, two years ago with a Baker, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson type draft. I really do think we're going to get around five guys taken in the first round. And so uh, all five of these guys are, are first round talents to me. And uh, let, let's just go from the bottom up. So number five, Jacob Beeson uh, out of Washington. Uh, this past week, he took down Oregon State. Completed 16 of 32 passes, 50% completion percentage for 175. No touchdowns and two interceptions. Uh, This season, he's completing 63.7% of his passes for a total of 2,472 yards. 20 touchdowns to seven interceptions. Uh, Really, the, the... the bottom line with Jacob Eason is this is a pocket passer. Um, you know he doesn't add, he doesn't have uh, great mobility. He doesn't add anything in the running game. He's not that athletic of a quarterback. Um, he, he's also you know he's rigid outside of the pocket. That being said, you know his toughness and his size. He's a massive guy. Uh, he he handles pressure extremely well. Uh, doesn't mind taking hits and really stands there in the pocket. And so he's one of those guys I think we get toward the end of the first round, um, you know, depending on where a team like Indianapolis uh, drafts or if Chicago uses its two second round picks to trade up into the first round, you know, to, to get a guy later on. If there's a team like the Saints or the Patriots that are just getting there and it's like, okay, we're at pick 32. I got Tom Brady that's, that's going on, you know, 50 years old. Um, I feel like this is a situation where we get uh, Eason taken in in, in the uh, second half of the uh, first round of the NFL draft. So I've got him at five right now. Talented quarterback, uh, you know, great um, vision, makes good reads. Um, just a uh, just not just not an athlete. You know, he's not going to dazzle you. He, he's going to be kind of like a uh, if you remember Eli Manning during his better times. You know, he adds that value inside the pocket, but really doesn't do much outside. And um, isn't that mobile of a quarterback? So I got him at five. Now up at four, and this has been a tough one for me because he hasn't been that great this season. It's been a down year for him. Uh, I've got Jordan Love out of Utah State. Now this past week, he did beat Wyoming. Uh, He had, you know, completed 18 of 29 passes for 282 to go along with two touchdowns and two interceptions. He did put uh, 33 yards on the ground as well, too. In 2019, he's completing 61.7% of his passes, 
Uh, he does have uh, 2,684 yards, but the touchdown-interception ratio, ugh. He's got 13 touchdowns to 14 picks. Definitely a shaky season uh, for the junior who had 32 touchdowns and 6 interceptions last year. Now, this is a guy that still could, if he wanted to, pull a Justin Herbert. And what I mean by that is is decide to finish out his collegiate career in 2020. Uh, Herbert was not good in 20, uh, 2018. Kind of a likewise situation. Low completion percentage. Uh, touchdown to interception ratio was pretty awful. And came back this year, and he's been great. You know I love Justin. We'll talk about him in just a little bit. But he's one. J- Jordan Love is one of those guys where I wouldn't be surprised if he's like, okay, we need to, to retell the story about my college career Go out with a bang in senior year and try and you know get a little bit higher of a draft ranking in 2020. But for this point, I still think that he would be around the fourth best quarterback taken in this draft. Um, great athlete, love his size, uh, great accuracy. Um, just just a just a down season for him in Utah State, and so. To me, this is a guy, I, I would still say he's a first-round talent if he were to leave this year, but he's one of those guys I think could really benefit uh, for staying his senior season and maybe jumping up into that top 16 pick conversation. Because he, he's a guy like Eason that I think is second half of the first round. He's one of those guys that'll just be taken later on. Josh Rosen is, I guess, where I would kind of say, but Rosen went a little early too. Um, now, of course, this all depends on... Where, where some of these teams end up taking quarterbacks and if they do end up taking quarterbacks, you know? Does Tennessee try another year with Ryan Tannehill and see what they can do there? Does Tampa, for some odd reason, you know, bring in a uh, bring in a veteran of sorts? Or does the Chargers hold on to Phillip Rivers for another year? You know, so much is going to be predicated on what these quarterbacks who, you know, have their contracts up, uh, you know, are they being brought back? Or are they being sent their own way? And also, what free agent quarterbacks are given chances elsewhere? Um, you know, what if what if Winston hops around to a different team, and and then what do you've got there? Or Mariota gets another shot somewhere else. Um, so I guess it depends on where those guys finish up, what the the state of the quarterback position is looking. But for right now, talent wise, I'd say second half of the first round, and of course that gets into like I said, the Chicago trading up into the first round, or Indianapolis taking a quarterback, depending on where where they are. Older quarterbacks in the league making decisions um, on whether or not to hold on to their old guys or to invest a guy and, and have them sit on the bench for a little bit longer. So uh, Eason and Love, pretty, pretty close to me right now, but based off athleticism and what he can uh, provide outside of the pocket, I've got Jordan Love at four. Now up to number three, and this is where I have Tua Tagovailoa, uh, of course, out of Alabama. We've talked about him a bunch today. Uh, what he was able to do in his time against Mississippi State, he completed 14 of 18 passes for 256, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. This season, completing 71.4% of his passes for 20, 2,840 yards through the air and an amazing touchdown-to-interception ratio of 33-3. to um, You know, injury or not, I would have had him as my number three quarterback. Uh, he's got a very high floor and should have a an extremely productive NFL career um, as long as he is able to stay healthy. Uh, but it's safe to say that we're at a point where we can take a look and be a little bit worried about injuries. Um, of course, my biggest knock on two is I'm not a fan of his arm strength. I like my quarterbacks big. I like him with cannons uh, for arms. And for that reason, Tua, um, and just the fact that I, I think these two guys above him are overall better prospects, that's why I've got him down to three. Now, this is one of those guys I think still 
Um, kind of in a in a Josh Allen situation from a couple years back. I think one of those teams trades up to pick seven or eight to take him. Or of course, if if Tampa falls and they're they're sitting there at seven, then they'll take him right there as well too. Uh, but I don't think Tua is at a point, even with the injury concern, that he should fall out of the top ten at at this point. While we know. Uh, is, is with as little information as we know about the injury, I, I would say Tua shouldn't fall out of the top ten, but probably is in that seven, seven to ten range. Now up to two, and this is where my change is gone. He's been my number one guy this entire season, uh, but right now I've got him. I'm gonna call it one B. You know, technically he's at two. To me, I think it's just so close. It, it took a lot for him to be replaced. But at number two, I've got Justin Herbert out of Oregon. He would have been my number one quarterback in last year's draft class. Chose to come back and has been so much better uh, this season. Um, this past week against Arizona, completed 19 of 27 passes for 328. Four touchdowns, one interception. So far this year, completing 69.5% of his passes. 2,657 yards through the air and a touchdown ratio of 28, sorry, a t- 28 touchdowns and three interceptions. Um, Herbert was my number one guy all around, and, and the only reason he's not number one is because I, I'm absolutely floored uh, with what Broadway Joe has been able to, to do uh, this season over at LSU. Um, so Herbert is one of those guys I think shouldn't fall outside of Cincy or Miami. I think, you know, whatever team doesn't pick, you know, Joe Burrow, uh, number one overall, um, you know, either way, Herbert shouldn't fall out of my, I I think the situation in Miami would be perfect for him, pairing him with a really smart head coach. I think, I think those two would build something, uh, something, you know, extreme, you know, I love Brian Flores, you know, I love Justin Herbert. That would be my, my dream duo right there as quarterback head coach, uh, as Brian Flores tries to build, you know, New England South. Um, so Herbert's one of those guys I, I shouldn't fall out of the top four, to me, personally, because I think he's going to be a game-changer at the quarterback position. But, that being said, he is no Joe Burrow, no Broadway Joe, no 2019 Heisman winner, uh, leading the Tigers uh, to an unbelievable season. Uh, this past week against Mississippi, he completed 32 of 42 passes for 489 Five touchdowns, two interceptions um, this season. He is almost completing 80% of his passes. He's right at 78.6. 3,687 yards, 38 touchdowns, and six interceptions. Um, And he's doing it against some of the toughest defenses in college football. Of course, played Alabama already. Has had some tougher opponents earlier on in the season. And we're going to see him run through the gamut now that LSU is in one of those situations where they're going to be in the college football playoffs. They've got, you know, the SEC title game. You know, they're going to make their way towards potentially a national championship. And so what that does for Joe is it just builds up that portfolio. Everything he was able to do against the best opponents in the country Uh, And so far, I I don't see any reason why he would fall short, um, especially the way he's been playing this year. He's my number one guy. Um, He's right ahead of Herbert. I I can't stress just because I have Herbert moving down a spot um, that I think he's any bit less. It's really 1A and 1B to me at this point. We've got months until the draft, and, you know, I may flip back and forth. Herbert may still come out at the end of the day my top guy, but right now from what we've seen from Joe Burrow at LSU – and just uh, the continued growth that we've seen through his college career, people might say that we haven't seen enough 
of him really to warrant, you know, being a day one starter in the NFL. But since we've seen him improve with every offseason, I think he would step right in uh, to a situation like, like I said, it's Cincinnati or Miami at this point. I think he would be that, you know, if just because I love Herbert more as a prospect and, and just I've been tied to him for so long, I would love to see that pair with Brian Flores. But I can't say that it would be bad with, with Joe Burrow and Brian Flores. And so if he's there, if he's in Cincinnati with, I guess Zach Taylor. I don't know. Depending on what the Bengals do with with their head coach, I I'm, you know what I'm in. I'm in the camp of if we know something isn't going to work, why do we try it? You know, and waste a couple more years of our franchise's history. So, to me, if I'm Cincinnati, I'm already moving on from Zach Taylor. But you know, he would go into a situation where he's got AJ Green, Tyler Boyd, John Ross, Auden Tate, Joe Mixon, talented weapons over there, um, and he would try and. Uh, I guess, bring some some success to the Cincinnati Bengals. So um, either way, those that that's how I've got it uh, shaping up right now. So that's Joe Burrow, LSU, number one. Justin Herbert, number two, at Oregon. Tua Tungavailoa from Alabama at three. Uh, of course, we, we know so little of his injury right now, what really is going to happen and how that's going to impact his draft stock. But then number four, Jordan Love out of Utah State, down year. Wouldn't blame him if he wanted to come back for his senior season and have kind of that that Justin Herbert uh, resurgence as his senior year and improve his draft stock vastly. Or and then I've got Jacob Eason uh, over at Washington, another guy that I think uh, you know would be a very solid uh, quarterback at the next level. I think all five of these guys are first round talents. Um, you know, just just to let you know who I've got at number six, I got Jalen Hurts out of Oklahoma. He's the guy that, to me, Chicago really shouldn't. You know, it. Chicago's got different situations that they can go in this. Are they going to be? And we talked about this last week. Are they going to trade for Cam Newton? Who knows uh, if they choose to hold on to their draft picks and not trade for a quarterback, but they decide in the second round Jalen Hurts. Uh, with one of their second-round picks. I wouldn't blame them at all for doing that, and, and I think he would be a fun fit in Matt Nagy's offense. So a lot of interesting situations here. Joe and Herbert, it's Cincinnati and Miami, whoever finishes where. Uh, to me, Tua is in that 7-12 to 12 range where you take a look at Tennessee, Tampa, the L.A. Chargers, and then Jordan Love and Jacob Eason are in that second half of the draft where you say, Indianapolis, do they want to draft a quarterback in the first round? Do the Patriots want to draft a quarterback uh, as the potential replacement to Tom Brady, the Saints, and Drew Brees, even though they've got Teddy Bridgewater, maybe another guy to have in there in case Bridgewater uh, decides to leave and take big money elsewhere. Um, There's a lot of interesting situations with where these quarterbacks could fill out, but that's how I see it right in my November check. And and of course, we'll head back and do that uh, another time taking a look. Uh, We'll probably just check in on the quarterback rankings once a month just to see if there have been any changes and just to provide some updated stats there as well too. Um, and you know what, just with the time frame that we're at right now, I think I'm going to save my big board, uh, for next Monday's episode. And maybe I can, we'll dive a little more in depth there just with the time that I spent on the quarterbacks. And of course the Tua situation, I didn't want to quickly go through my top 10 and where I've got them all positioned out just because I feel like if I did that and did maybe 30 seconds on each guy, really wouldn't get the full picture in there. So I think we're going to save that for next week since we are around that half hour time frame that I want to keep things at. And so we'll save that for next Monday. Uh, But coming up tomorrow, we've got, of course, Tuesday, November 19th. We have got uh, recapping week 11 in the NFL, which will be closing up later tonight as the Chiefs take on the Chargers in Mexico City. 
Wednesday will be the updated power rankings piece. Thursday, we'll be taking a look at some league-wide news. Friday, gambling, just an update. When I do podcasts surrounding my bets, my bets are money, money, money. Uh, Got back to my winning ways, had a lot of success on the board, and so we'll continue that in to week 12. um, And uh, we'll save all that for Friday to talk about how, how good of a week it was. So keep on listening through the rest of this week. Uh, make sure to follow me over on Twitter at BlakeAndrewPace. i got a lot of content coming out with Stampede Blue. Uh, that's the SB Nation page for the Indianapolis Colts. Check out my other podcast, Reasonably Outrageous, with Matt Wyrick, who works over with NBC Sports Washington. Uh, check out all of our stuff. We cover the NBA, the MLB, and the NFL. So got some other stuff over there as well, too. And uh, yeah, let me know what you think of the show. Uh, leave a five-star review leave a comment, subscribe to the channel. I really appreciate all of your support. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening to Quick Hits. I'm Blake Pace, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.